1 Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. friends, welcome to another episode of RevCovery, a podcast for folks who are thinking about leaving ministry, maybe have left ministry, uh, maybe folks who have transitioned in the way that they volunteer within ministry, or anyone really going through any sort of vocational or faith shift. We hope that you find this podcast helpful. I'm Sarah Heath, and my co-host is Justin Gentry. We hope to introduce you to different people that might be helpful for you as you go through any sort of shift. Uh, Today, one of those incredible people that was helpful for me as I went through transitioning out of ministry was Chris Rodriguez. Chris Rodriguez is kind of known as the soul coach. So he uh, runs a program called Soulfully You, which is coaching in a unique way. Chris himself did ministry for a very long time. And so he kind of understands the ins and outs of that. And even though he may now work with uh, corporations and people one-on-one to help them find their soulful selves, he has a lot to say about what it's like to transition out of the spaces that we may have served in ourselves. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation. It is really filled with some incredible things. um, And I know that I enjoyed it. So I hope that you do as well. And as always, we invite you to stay to the end where we will share um, some sort of quote or this week a poem. Friends, welcome to another episode of Recovery. I think I'm a little bit giddy because it is one of my friends that we are interviewing tonight. This is my friend, Chris Rodriguez, who I'm excited to introduce our listeners to. We have uh, a lot of great conversations and um, I'm excited too because just to be around you. So Chris, welcome. Thank you for coming on. So good to be with you and Justin. Yeah. It's good to meet you. Maybe oh, yeah. we start this cadence of, yeah, <laughs> we, we catch up on each other's podcasts, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's so, it's so good to be here. And Sarah, we, we were people that met in the pandemic on the virtual interwebs. We did of social media. We got the good out of it. Yeah. So I, I love it. I love all of our conversations and I love just being in community with you over these years. It's been so good. I would love to hear a little bit, Chris, about you were in ministry for a while, like a like a while. All right, Chris, give us a bit of your story because it's a pretty interesting okay. one. Like, I think I can't wait for Justin to hear part of this because you'll be like, you did I, what? I'm coming in fresh. I'm excited <laughs> for this. OK, yeah. So, you know, when we when we ask that question, you know, how long did you serve in ministry? There's a difference between the the paid stuff, you know, where they actually like, hey, we're going to give you a paycheck to do this versus the the volunteer work. So I grew up in church my entire life. My mother, she wasn't a pastor, but she was a traveling evangelist. So she used to drag me to all the, she led the evangelism team out of my church. So she used to drag us to back in the day when you used to give out tracks, you know, in the nineties, giving out mm-hmm. tracks and tent meetings you know she she was one it. of the people that organized the tent meetings in the park you know and i had to come my little you know child self so i was always around it and when i you know felt the burden i was i was 16 i was mm-hmm. in the youth, youth ministry and i say the burden i say it with a smile on my face because our our churches talk we know what we know what the burden the call is right yeah, the, the call Yes, I was kind of serving in my in my youth group as a youth, fell in love with music and dance. So that was a big part of the way I gave my gave myself to to ministry, doing doing outreaches, um, leading dance and drama teams, you know, doing some doing some praise dancing at, at church and all that. But also there was this part that was fostered in me of of music 
and songwriting. And so, you know, my mom would go preach somewhere and she's like, all right, Chris, um, you got a song. And it wasn't a, you got a song is not do a you suggestion have a song? or it was a question. Like, do, the, do the song, Chris. Right. So I was, I was, oh, that's great. <laughs> I was always, you know, I was always around it. But when I actually got into vocational ministry, paid ministry, it was, I was, I was doing that for four years. My wife is a nurse and um, she does, she took a travel nursing contract and it got us out from Oklahoma where you go and you, you know, you answer your, the burden, right? Go, <laughs> go learn some ministry out there. Where did you we grow up, Chris? To, I know this, but I can't remember. I grew up in Jersey, right? Yeah, so you're going to hear from Jersey, move to Oklahoma. Let's just pause and have a moment for that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was, it was, it was a wild time. So you'll hear the coffee and water, but then you'll hear y'all, right? Cause I, <laughs> yeah, I got, I got confused. all of it. Yeah, but that's that's just what you do when you when you feel you you want to do ministry, you feel like this is what you're going to do with the rest of your with the rest of your life. You go to Tulsa and you go you go to the buckle of the Bible belt and you go get get trained up, right? Yeah. So, yeah, my wife she was she's a she was a travel nurse and that got us out to the Bay Area, California. And for me, I was still serving and volunteering at churches and everything. But I had transitioned into health and wellness coaching, teaching dance, going into tech companies and doing corporate wellness. And then I would go to go to a church and, you know, volunteer my time, maybe play on the worship team and all that. And this church I was at, I was volunteering at, they lost their college pastor and they were like, hey, Chris, um, you've been here. You got a lot of experience. You got a degree. You're married. That was, that was, a, <laughs> that was another yeah, that was another thing. You're married. You want to try this well. out. Yeah. <laughs> this is the end of the list of credentials we require. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so you know, <laughs> I've always been sketchy, but keep going. <laughs> and they were like, try this thing out for three months and trying it out for three months became a year, another year, four years. So when people ask me when I got the felt like the calling to go into full-time ministry because I was pretty comfortable with the idea that, you know, I work my, I work my main job, my main job and all my life I've just been serving. So I never thought I would actually get a, a paid job at a church, right? That was never in my, in my paradigm. So yeah, when people asked me, I said, well, I, I've been trying it out and, you know, try it out for four years. Right. <laughs> and then how did you transition out? Cause I think that's a big part of the story too. What was the inclination to uh, return in some ways back to wellness and all that sort of stuff. Mm. We got paused with it. Um, yeah. So I was, you know, had one foot in one foot out and my wife and I, we just kind of started having conversations. This kind of, in some ways there's, there's a few pieces, one of just, it kind of felt weird, you know, that, that our paycheck like one of our sources of income was attached to my morals, Oof. right? And that, you know, for for most of my life, for majority of my life, I was in the evangelical, white American evangelical churches. And that I didn't necessarily see myself in line. And that's been years in, in the process, but I felt comfortable enough to to fellowship, to to be a part, to serve, you know, I just was like, hey, this is just a part of it, just some indifference that you just have along the way. And but that that divide started becoming a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more, started feeling a little bit more weird for me. Uh, in addition to that, I was finding that I was having these conversations with my students and my clients at Google, Stanford University, Stanford Healthcare. And they're telling me these things about these experiences that they're having in my classes. And I didn't know what to do with them. I'm like, it, it sounds like you're getting more than just <laughs> dance out of these dance classes. It sounds yeah. like you're getting more than just a good workout of this class. It sounds like it's doing something for your soul. But I didn't have the language for that. So I brought it to like what you do with hard questions, you know, you bring them to God, 
and you bring them to therapy. So I brought them to my therapist and we started talking about it specifically around this relationship that people were finding themselves reconnecting with their body. Mm. Right. And I'm like, what is what's going on? I'm just Mm -hmm. I'm just teaching a hip hop class like but these people are having having moments of healing. So my therapist, he introduced me. He's like, hey, have you ever read Bessel van der Kolk's The Body Keeps the Score? Oh, I haven't. So I started reading it. He started dropping some some father roar on me at the same time. I started listening to our friend. Dr. Hilly McBride, I started listening to her on podcasts and I started listening to the way she was talking about the body and embodiment. And I'm like, and I'm holding these experiences from my clients and my students. I'm like, yo, there's something here. So I started doing a deep dive into the body, embodiment, belonging, community, all these experiences that for me, like not just growing up in the church, but growing up in the inner city. Growing up in a Jamaican Puerto Rican household, the culture, the flavors, the music, the the movement, the way you just vibe with life. These things that I got from just my early upbringing of belonging, these people who have accomplished careers, who've done some amazing things, they're coming to a dance class and saying, hey, this is doing something transformative for me. So I, I, I begin to say, hey, like, I don't know if this church piece is the best vehicle, but I don't know what it is. So he introduced me to um, concept of life coaching. I'm like, oh, what's that? So I went through a process, got certified, ICF certified as a life coach. And as I was going through the process, I would have these calls with my with my instructors and my coaches. And, and I said... And I felt bad. I'm like, I'm really not loving. I actually really feel bad when I do ministry. It's not giving me life, mm-hmm. like in the church context. Yeah. But when I have these coaching calls and when I'm having these conversations, man, it it's it's like I found what I've I've been missing in my life. Mm-hmm. I found it's like I found my calling. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's really cool. That wasn't a burden. That wasn't a burden. That actually gave me life. Mm. That actually rejuvenated me, restored me. And she said to me, she said something that changed me. She said, well, when you're doing ministry, you know, because she also is a licensed therapist. She said, when you're doing ministry, when you're doing these like kind of caregiving roles, you know, you're coming alongside people in their suffering. But the role of the coach, you get to come alongside people in the redemptive, almost in that resurrection, that redemptive form of Christ. And like, oh, yeah, I rock with that. I I feel that. So I started just going down this road, still one, you know, still working in the the church, like kind of trying to figure out what's next. And that kind of climax, not climax, but that kind of had some intersections that were pushing me a little bit more out as well. Obviously the pandemic, George Floyd being the pinnacle of the pain of black communities. Which is so embodied. Um, That is the thing that I have been really noticing is I think there's been a healthy awareness that when we see these images, when we hear these things for those folks who live embodied in the black body, their, their, their bodies are experiencing it so differently than we can even be aware. And I think when we've we've othered our body, we've separated ourselves from our body because that's what the church taught us to do in a lot of ways. I think sometimes it's like your body's bad, your mind is good. And so we like do this like disembodiment. And then you have this sort of a pandemic, George Floyd, these things that like crash the two together. And like no. Chris, who's already super embodied because your body is a musician, your body is movement. I think, of course, you're going to have this like, I don't know what to do with this thing that's telling me to be disembodied versus this thing that like mm, is just in yeah. me. And now I'm in a place where my own body, like, I know they welcomed you, but I don't know that they were ready for full Chris. <laughs> yeah. So this moment happens. I exist in in predominantly white spaces. And, and, I've, and that's been the case ever since I left my childhood neighborhood. That was 
predominantly black, Caribbean, and Latino in these tech companies, in these churches, in the wellness and coaching space, right? I'm I'm kind of I've kind of always been that, right? And I just saw it as the, you know, the token being the tax per se of yeah. you know progression, right? But for everybody else that started with it started with George Floyd. For me, it started with Philando Castile four years prior. And I had been doing my own work in private because it was bringing up things of of my own childhood and the environments I was in and things like that. So I had to go and separately away from all of the, the noise of media, away from, you know, these spaces I was occupying, go do my own healing work around racialized trauma. So I had been doing this work since then, silently. And then George Floyd happens and I'm in these spaces and everybody's asking questions and everybody's shocked. And I volunteer myself. And some people are asking me, can you please help us, you know, you're somebody that we respect in our community and in communities. We want to know your perspective. Just talking to youth groups, just, you know, talking to people, having, taking calls with people before there was even language of, you know, black man, you shouldn't have to explain this, Right. you know, people should do their own homework, right? This was, you know, before people started saying, "Hey, hey, wait, let's, let's, Let's not call on our black, you know, guru for yeah. the moment. Right. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I'm having these conversations and I'm feeling like, man, these they're going well. People are hearing me. And these are people who, you know, I've served, served their kids, I've served, you know what I mean? I've walked with them. But there were other voices with a with a lot bigger platforms, and I'm not going to say any of their names because they don't need any more publicity than they already than they already gather. That that basically spoke the language and said the things that they wanted to hear, and it was you know it was hurtful. Like a checkbox? Do you feel like they were like I asked? (laughs) Yeah, I asked, and I was like, (laughs) but you see this person over here? They look like him, and they're saying something that lines more with my experience. Yeah, Mm. we had the candlelight service for racial reconciliation. Next year, we'll have another one. We're good. Like, (laughs) like that's there's a lot of that done. (laughs) Or yeah, and this isn't and this isn't segmented to one place. This is just these communities. And not just church communities, right? Like mm-hmm. in the wellness space, in the tech space, like all these spaces I was in. And it was the first time actually that I, you know, I actually made Christian statements on social media. I always kept that totally separate. Hmm. I always kept my social media a religious, like we don't we don't talk about that stuff here because I know who I walk with on those platforms. But I made it I started being more public, like, hey, let's heal, like. And it almost put like a target on my back. It's like, oh, he's one of those guys. Mm. We can't rock with him. And I I lost quite a bit of community. This is also intersecting with with people who I love in in the LGBTQ community who are wanting to live in love and belonging in places that they don't belong. So this kind of puts me in another kind of, oh, gosh, like. Because the you're from the dance community, bigger. which has a large LGBTQIA, right. like mm-hmm. an incredible community, even in tech spaces, even in the wellness community. And then when you say don't belong because they can't belong, you don't mean like, oh, they don't no. belong there. You mean like they can't belong They They can be welcome, but not necessarily belong. You're welcome right? to tithe. And, <laughs> Give you us know, your money. If 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 you don't tell us you're gay, you're welcome to serve. Right. Um, we'll wink at you. We'll just be like, yeah, okay. But so so these moments kind of made me decide. You know, it's it's time. Part of it was my choice. Part of it was not my choice. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, I like the way you said that. <laughs> show of hands in the room. Who <laughs> it was your choice, but not your choice. And I felt, and I felt like I kind of lost a bit of myself. How does this person that has identified has identified with this place because of because of, that's where I've been? This and this place being the evangelical church. That's where I've been. That's where I was bred. That's where I've contorted myself mm. to squeeze in and I fit. And then I finally decide I want to spread my arms. And like, you know, there's like, there's absolutely no room for my arms to be spread for me to kind of like stretch my legs out for me to, you know, grow out my hair, let it, let it down. You know, there's no room for all of that. So I went down a, a kind of a, a, a dark, a you know, that dark night of that soul, the, the darkness of, man, where do I belong? And then I look around me and I see all the people who have been watching me go through my process of healing in public. And I get a Sarah Heath. <laughs> <laughs> I, get, I, I get a Dr. Hillary McBride. I get this whole community of people in the dance community. I reconnect with one of my partners who he's big deal music producer. He wrote and produced RuPaul's album, all the stuff you see on the on on Project Runway. That's him. He wrote it. He he produced it. He's singing on it. And That's really great music actually. It's it's dope music. And it's he's somebody fun. I just I grew up with, went to high school with. And he hits me up. He's like, yo, I want to I want to get some of your dancers from Oakland. And I was able to say, like, oh, I know the right people. I got some people that can embody this. This oh, right? can embody this. So what I realized was I was walking out this path that was laying out the. The map that. I want to walk people through. Of how do you not minimize yourself? How do you not mute your voice? How do you find that inner soul child? How do you find that part of you that you feel like you can't show up authentically as yourself? Yeah. As? And how do you bring that into your work, into the way you connect with your loved ones, and in the way that you show up for yourself and your boundaries? How do you be? soulfully you i love that because i think like i was saying before i love that you use the word soul and you use the like but embodied because i think i don't think it's just western christianity i think it's in a, in a lot of places again the like idea of our soul is one place and our body is another place and our body needs to be like put into submission and then our soul is like the thing that we yeah. should honor and like try to figure out and i love that you want to bring those two it, like two things together to say they're not in any way separate mm. like your soul yeah. soulfully you like you the thing that i yeah. look at and see is actually yeah. soulfully you it's an yeah. embodied i don't know if i'm making myself clear but like it's all the thing yeah and you can do it every day yeah. and that's the fun part of the journey for me you know building my 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 next programs and getting to redesign my brand around the things that wake me up and the things that I've forgotten that I need to remember back into my world. The, the New York hip hop that I grew up on, the, you know, my grandmother salsa dancing to the broomstick, the flavors, the, the smells, my dad bringing me to my Puerto Rican dad, bringing me to see the whispers and Anita Baker and blue magic all in concert, because he's like, you need to see this. You need to see basically the people who came before you. And he, he would say to me, I know you do church music, but you need to see this. Look at the style, look at the, look at the performance, right? I was able to bring all that back bring it back into the movement stuff. You know, behind me, there's a big poster of uh, Bruce Lee, you know, yeah, bringing back that. that, that flow, not set, not having that East and West separation being all of me 
and filling my cup with all the things that bring me joy, that bring me life, and then pouring it out into my community, into my family, where I'm expecting my first kid. I know, in a I was going to bring months. it up. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> so I'm that's so got me think, thinking about just, I just want to take him to experience everything that I do mm-hmm. and everything that I love. I want him to know know what it feels like. Even today, I was at a dance rehearsal and it's for this parade that we do in Oakland called the Black Joy Parade. And it's all... Oh, I love the name. Black. Oh, yeah. it's dope. That's it's cool. like there's That's nothing really cool. in the world like it. And this is my second year doing it. And it's like 30 of us, all Black bodies. And I almost didn't do it this year because everything that's coming up with the baby. It's just like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know how to think about it. And then I showed up at rehearsal. I was like, no, I need to do this because I want my, my son to know that his dad did the things that he loves in his soul. And yeah. I want to live an embodied life. I love the idea, too. Just thinking about your, your wife is a nurse. And she's going to have a baby like that alone is like any of my friends who are in the medical field, like I'm having goosebumps having a baby. Yeah, it Mm -hmm. it changes everything. And then you, who is this person who's trying to figure out how to embody joy and share joy. And now you're going to have a little person (laughs) who is just going to be following you around. Like, I feel this baby is so lucky. Does this baby even know? Yeah, it's I'm. Having a kid is it's such a fascinating thing. Like the that experience of like Justin replicating. Knows he's had three. I've had I have three of them. I see the names. I, I yeah. I, I you see the drawings on the wall. Yeah. They <laughs> they yeah. And my well, I, we were at a trampoline park for a birthday today, and my son he's two, and there is nothing that he does that is not a hundred percent. Like like he is in his body. He's in life one hundred percent. And I. I think about like, where did I, like, where did I lose that? Like, I think we all, I mean, mm-hmm. you come in to the world, like that's, your body's all, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, for the first like six or eight months, you don't even know that your body's not a part of your mom's body anymore. <laughs> like, Ooh. you know, like, that's just like, you don't, you don't even know that, like, it doesn't dawn on you. And so it's just like, mm-hmm. when do you, when do we lose that? And like, how can I, how can I get back to that and reconnect with that? And how can I, help my kids to not lose that it it is fascinating i remember i remember in college you know i was in bible school you know trying to learn how to be a pastor and i do remember being a little bit desperate at times like trying to find verses trying to find theologies that taught that the body was good like i Mm. I remember feeling that somewhere in me like there's i had this craving to be like this isn't this isn't bad being here in this body isn't bad, but at Christian theology, I should say evangelical Western capitalist Christian theology does not have space for bodies. Like it's almost like a burden and a chore to have one. And it, it just, I remember feeling that so acutely, which is why like our journeys are very different, but I, I got really into, I got into CrossFit. I'm, I'm just, I'll just say it. I'll admit it. It's my <laughs> confession. Is what Matt, I have. You're still into CrossFit. There, there still is into no. <laughs> there is no judgment here. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> There's no. You, you. Okay. Feel your freedom is what you know. We're and I, I got I got my coaching certification. You know, and so I was coaching. You know, while doing ministry and and having those similar experiences of being like I'm closer to these people because we sweat yeah. together, right. in you know three or four days than I am in years of church ministry with some folks, and I, that just was a mystery to me that I just kept kind of pulling out like why, what, what is going on? And I didn't have probably because I'm in a white body and our bodies are not as politicized, you know? Mm. And so there wasn't necessarily a pressure there in, in the same sense that, you know, folks in marginalized communities ex- experience. But I just remember there's like, there's something simmering under the surface. Like this is, this isn't wrong. This isn't something is wrong here that I'm not picking up. 
And, and I did, I had to go outside of the church in a lot of ways to help students. You know, I was a youth pastor for a long time. It helped students like, Hey, your body's okay. You may want to clean it. You especially <laughs> give in the back. Like, <laughs> you worked in college ministry. You know how this yeah. is, Chris. <laughs> Ooh, like, like I, I had, I had like sermons, you know, little youth group talks on like, you all need to sleep, put down your phones and sleep. Like, yeah, because it's, it's part of being in a body and I'm sorry, but you have one and this is maintenance. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. I just keep thinking about some of the most profound moments that you and I have talked about, Chris, where people, you've been shocked by people, the thing that you feel like is second nature. So the thing that I think so many of us, especially those of us who have worked in ministry, think like the things that we're gifted in are like, just like, well, obviously, like, obviously you should be connected to your body. And then people who are tech industry, like if people knew some of the people you've worked with, like these people are PhD, they're like, they own us, they can probably hear us right now. And yet they feel so disconnected from their body because the thing that has been most celebrated about them is their mind. And, mm-hmm. and for you to be like, what? <laughs> I think just like, right. I want people to hear that often the thing that is so intuitive to us mm. is foreign to other people. Right. Well, I mean, this, this whole head, heart, gut, you know, mind, body, soul, this thing that we've split up into, into all this stuff. Right. And in tech, it's it's we we elevate the head. Right. And, you know, in the in the wellness industry, I'm not going to say wellness is becoming a little bit more <laughs> holistic, but the fitness industry, we elevate the body. Mm-hmm. And now we're starting to bring the mind in. And then if you got a little yoga in you, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I got to touch of yoga. Yeah. <laughs> In, in spiritual communities, not just Christianity, and 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 all and all spiritual communities, there is this elevation of of transcendence. Mm, yeah. yeah, separate from the body, right? So they, you know, what they call it is like, yeah, we're elevating your soul, but like, no, mm-mm. and th- this is this is where I find the the divide of like there, the soulful way is is not shallow any way you engage with your spiritual practices any way you engage with your relationships your your self-image your body your work and your tasks and your and your learning if it's transactional if it's on the surface it's not it's not soulful right this unintegrated approach right this is not the way it was right and then you know, Justin, going back to even like, where did we lose that? Like, right? Like, it's well, it's when somebody said, you know, stop moving. Mm. Yeah. You know, be quiet. It's when we got put in those assigned seats. And then when we stopped being in those assigned seats, we still sat in the same seat every week in college. Yeah. It's, it's these linear approaches and these one-dimensional approaches to growth. Versus growth looking more like a tree rooted, branches going in all directions, wild, bearing fruit. The fruit falls, someone eats it, the tree Uh dies, the ground is nourished, birds live in it. And this holistic, connected, integrated idea of, of growth, we'll call it belonging as well. You know, you using the word soulful makes me think about when I was in seminary, I had this friend, Donna, and she asked me if I'd ever had fried chicken. And my answer was like, of course I've had fried chicken. And she was like, no, have you ever had fried chicken? (laughs) And I was like, okay. So 
She said, why don't you come? My family, we're doing it. My, my whole family gets together and we do soul food and fried chicken. And I was like, I, I love food. So I was like, absolutely. I'm in yeah. for it. And we drove forever in North Carolina out mm-hmm. into this area. And this family had been prepping this food forever. And I remember saying to her, what makes it soul food? And she said, it takes a long time to cook it. And like, even the process of making it is how our family connects and how like everybody's part of it. I think she was even bummed like she wasn't part of it because she was driving me and another mm-hmm. friend from grad school. And I remember just feeling this incredible reverence for the space that had been created around this meal. And we sat forever. It was the longest meal. And I didn't notice the time. And the food, I had never had fried chicken. And I had eaten fried chicken. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. this was, I can, as I'm telling you this, I can tell you what it tastes like. Sorry, vegetarians and vegans. Like, it was. For, for, the, for the church, for the, for the church folks, we got to say, you know, have you, do you know Jesus? Oh, yeah, I've been going to church my whole life. Yeah, no, yeah. No. Do you know Jesus? <laughs> like having this fried chicken was a spiritual that, moment. That, that's, yeah. that's, that's, the, that's what's happening right here, yeah. you know. And I remember thinking, oh, God, I've only ever had fast food chicken, mm-hmm. if I was honest. Because when the KFC opened in my small town in Canada, there was a line and we went all the time. And I thought that was fried chicken. Don't laugh at me. This is what I grew up with. Then I moved from Canada to Mississippi and I'd had some fried chicken there. But when I was in North Carolina, my friend Donna drove me out into the sticks and her whole family, just the these black women who were, I mean, and welcomed me in. It was not, I didn't feel, I didn't. I didn't want to be a voyeur. You know, I'm like listening and I'm sitting and I'm watching and I'm just thinking, this is, this isn't a meal. This is a meal. Like, and then it took forever and everybody just sat around talking and that was soul cooking. Yeah. And soul food means something entirely different for me because of having that, being invited into that space, being allowed to be a, um, not a tourist, I would say a traveler into the space. Like, I just think, so many of us walk around with the idea of soul that's like, oh, it's that thing that we like, I meditate for five minutes a day. So I visited it. <laughs> like I said, what up? And I just want to say it like, might be fast food chicken. <laughs> like you might not know that there's this entire other thing, but you're right. It's slow. And it's, it takes a while. And that's what makes it soulful. It's this, you know, I don't know, just being aware of, all kinds of, it takes a while to make a a soul meal and it takes a while to know your soul. And I, I'm just so grateful that people have like Sherpas, like you who are willing to help them get to that, like, get to that place. Like, even though we're just friends, I feel like you've in some ways coached me into even like paying attention to things before and challenging that separation we do between our body and our soul and our mind. And, you know, cause for those of us who were praised for our minds, um, mm-hmm. That wasn't always me, guys. Math class was not the case. But like we we tr- tend to like wherever we're praised, we tend to lean into. And so if I was praised for my brain, I feel like that's the only good thing about me. Or we were praised for our bodies. Like as a dancer, when I was told I was good, I was good. But when I didn't feel bad, when I was bad at it, I felt terrible. And I think it's so exciting for me that you're helping people come into alignment with themselves. And I'm just really grateful for that. And that you know, people, hopefully, guys, are we getting more connected? That's my hope. <laughs> like, right. are those tech industry people actually questioning the thing? Or are they just like, this guy looks really happy. I'm going to hang out with him for a while. <laughs> yeah. Check the box. <laughs> like, I hope not. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, it's, it's all the work in progress, right? Um, right. But what, what, it, what I have found to be true is, I mean, you know, we talk about like this fast food approach to to growth, to to eating, to being nourished and different things like that. I think one thing that I used to always think is, you know, to be the I got to be I got to be the entire ocean. 
I, but I can't, you know, I can't just be a drop in the bucket, but I gotta be the, I gotta be, I gotta be the wave. I gotta be the ocean. I gotta be the, the thing that's making mass ripples and mass change. And that's fast food, right? What I've, what I've, what I've found to be true is one body at a time. We, we talk a certain way together. We move a certain way together. In in hip hop vernacular, we be a certain way together, right? And we practice together. And when we change the language, when we change the practices, body with body, people watch the way you move, the way you speak, the way you show up different in, in advocacy, maybe in joy, maybe in in true love and creativity and boundaries, whatever, whatever the thing is. And they say, oh, I see the way you move. I like the way you show up. I want to move that way mm. through the world. Right. And, and that's how we catch. And those little drops become bigger splashes. Right. And that's, and that's what I, and that's what I like seeing. So, yeah, I don't know if I've changed this CEO of the tech company I run the fitness program at, but I know one of his engineers is, is really having, having a better life. I love that. Yeah. It, it is it is interesting how we i don't know if it's western culture or evangelicalism whatever you have such an inflated view of yourself and what you can do like i'm going to change the world i'm a world changer god is you know i am you know there's some i don't know like theological chud on twitter that's like i feel like they think they're the next paul and i'm like buddy you're serving buddy. up the weakest theological tea we've ever seen like you are not paul like i'm sorry to break it to you you know and i have found it is it is interesting when i embrace how small i am in the grand scheme of the universe that actually leads me to a lot more awe it leads me to a lot more peace a lot more calm i mean it's there there's that like initial i'm terrified uh, <laughs> how tiny i am but then like i think for me once i settled into that I was like, it's it's gonna be okay. Like, I still have to do the work. It's not a it's not a like wellness like, you know, don't let anything bother you. It's not that. But it's it's more of a like I I see the work in front of me that I have to do, and I will do it. And I have to trust that other people are doing the work too. And it's this it's this web of life that I'm in that has to take care of it. It's it's not all up to me. And that's, I feel like that's one of the best things to come out of me leaving ministry. And I don't know if I've left the faith. I've, I've renegotiated my relationship to it, I guess, is a better way to say it. And, and I think that that's been, that's just very good for me. Um, and I, I, I hear what you're saying and it's like, I, I think we need more of that. Yeah. Not, you don't have to be the whole ocean, especially like I think about the tech people you work with or even the individual people you coach, if you are told that you can like you can do, you can change the world, um, that sounds great until it doesn't because it sounds like a edict that you have to do. And if you're not doing that, you're a huge disappointment. Versus like, how can you be you within a world and however the world receives that, that's mm. your work. That's it. Mm. And I love that because I feel like you embody that as a person. Like you didn't try to change everybody's view on everything. You just said, I can only be this body in front of these people. <laughs> and I mean, if we got anything out of the pandemic, it's like, shouldn't it have been, it sucks to be alone. Like, why, why are we still trying to do anything on our own? I want to see change. I want to see the bad ideas and I want to see the bad ideas change. I want to see them. I want to see them roomed out, but I got one mic, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. We share that. We, sh we share that one mic with other voices. We help them to learn how to use their own mic. 
and and we share the responsibility and it it, it just feels better that way mm-hmm. right yeah for sure but i am so grateful friend for oh, you just coming on here um i know that once that baby comes i'll be lucky to even see you <laughs> <laughs> i know well you know we're gonna have baby baby on the podcast right he's gonna be everywhere no nice. i love it nice. i love it I love it. I can't wait to meet him. Is there anything that you'd like to, we usually just give time. Is there anything you'd like to end with? Was there anything that was encouraging, one tangible thing, whatever it might be that you'd like to share with our audience? So I'm going to, I'm going to do what people, it's a terrible interview thing that I'm about to do. So that, and then if you want to let people know um, also where they can find you and your incredible work. Well, spread your arms, spread your legs, let down your hair test the boundaries of the boxes that you've you might have put yourself in that people put you in tap into the depth and the wisdom that's in you and don't hide from what emerges where you can find me on instagram i'm pretty active on there coach underscore chris rodriguez you can find my podcast the soulfully you podcast we have two seasons out already i'm in the process of recording season three and where you can find all of my coaching programs uh that's at coachchrisrodriguez.com the latest program i am offering is i'm i've i was doing the group group coaching for a bit but i really want to focus on one-on-one working with individual clients and that program is so life balance we'll work together for for three months and we'll rediscover your soulful self through self-assessment we'll learn how to set soulful boundaries we'll even have stuff about environmental design environment designing your soulful environment building soulful authentic connections with other people at this point in my life i'm just excited to walk with walk with folks along this journey because it's it's powerful to 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 rediscover who you've who you've been that you might not remember friend you are such a gift thank you so much for joining us i knew you'd like him justin i knew it i can already tell you <laughs> like it's just such a joy for me uh, anytime anyone finds chris it makes me so happy he is i will admit chris had these dance videos up during the pandemic and I just didn't care in my living room. I was dancing with Chris. I'd be like, this looks nothing like what he's doing. And your dog was off in front of it as well. But I was just like, I'm gonna move my body. Like, oh, we dancing? Oh man. <laughs> this this you know, sometimes you just you just gotta dance. I was I, yeah. one more piece of wisdom, I guess. Alice Go Walker, author, poet, activist. I, I got to hear her speak a few years ago. And she did this amazing thing where she, you know, she was going to talk about suffering. And she said, at the end of the talk, she said, I believe with all my heart that all suffering can be relieved by dance. And then she throws on Stevie Wonder's as (laughs) and invites everybody in the auditorium to come up on stage one by one and dance with her and give her a hug. So that's great. Let me just bless you with that. Okay. That's great. <laughs> so throw on Stevie Wonder ads or whatever that song is that gets you right. And, you know, I was actually at a conference from... where Hillary McBride did the same thing. Everyone was coming to hear Hillary just get, and she gave a great like talk, but she gave such a short talk. And she's like, I'm just going to turn this music on. And I'm just going to start dancing and you do what you think you should do. And at first she, and this is like a super heady conference, right? So she puts the music on and people are like, and she's just moving and everyone's like, well, that's silly. And then everyone's like, is it silly? Should I be doing it? I want to do it. And then everybody started moving. It was like, people were walking by seeing this like room full of people. Just We were just moving our bodies. We didn't even care that anyone was looking. And I thought, oh, she's onto something. Like it, that was, I remember that more than all the nerdy stuff she said. And I'm a nerd and I love Dr. Hillary yeah. McBride. I love her. She's a friend. I adore her. And all the things she say, says, I'm usually writing on down. But what I remember most was that she made me like stand up and move my body. It's beautiful. 
Mm-hmm. That's really good. Thank you, it. friend. So this good. was wonderful. We will for sure have you back. What a gift. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, Justin, you got to schedule me to just, you know, hey, Chris, let's catch up. Yeah, <laughs> hop on the podcast. He has another podcast yeah. called uh, Go Home Bible, You're Drunk. So you can join yes. him on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, with a co-host that also sometimes accidentally leaves the meeting when we press record. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that feels right for her. Like friends, thank you for happens. joining us. Thank you for still being such a big part. Uh, I'm sure that our uh, commercial reel will go next and we'll invite you to join us in Patreon, but join us for such great conversations. And we are so grateful for all that you do to uh, walk with us in this journey. So thank you so much for joining us this week. Good, and we'll thanks. see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you are enjoying the conversations you hear on RevCovery, you can continue the conversation with us and many more incredible people in the RevCovery room on Discord. To access our Discord, please join our Patreon to become part of the RevCovery room community. You can join for as little as $4 a month, and this helps us produce the show, as well as gives you access to the community resources. Check it out at www.patreon.com RevCovery. We know that not everyone is able to financially support the show, but there are lots of ways to support us, including giving us a five-star review wherever you're listening right now. And make sure to like and subscribe across all social media. Recovery Room is our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook handle, so you can find us there to keep the conversation going. Now on to some final thoughts and this week's poem. Thank you again for sticking around for another episode of Rev Covery and listening to the very end where we always like to share a poem, a reading, a quote, something that might be um, helpful for you. You might have noticed that Chris mentioned a poet, Alice Walker. So it seemed only fitting that we would use an Alice Walker poem to finish out this episode. Alice Walker's poem, I think this one is really about romance, but I also think that this one is the one that I wanted to read because it is more about kind of the idea, I think, of what it means to be who we are in our totality. So here it is. It's Before I Leave the Stage with by Alice Walker. Before I leave the stage, I will sing the only song I was meant truly to sing. It is the song of I am. Yes, I am me. And you, we are. I love us with every drop of our blood, every atom of ourselves, every waving particle, undaunted flags of our being, neither here nor there. I absolutely love this idea that we are all connected, and yet we are a separate people who are kind of created to have our own song. So friends, have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you again in the Recovery Room. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.